me tell you twice. Scott, oh, it's me. how hey. are you, sir? Good. Yeah. I, it's it's great that you had Andrew Gold on. I've been on his show a couple times. Um, He's all right. Fun, but let's not get carried guy. away. He's fine. He's oh, fine. Yeah, Andrew. God. He's like, jeez. Whatever. Charm, charming that's... British guy, journalist, <laughs> man. Yeah, no, I love it. <laughs> if that's your cup of tea, doesn't do it for me. I'll be honest. <laughs> but <laughs> thanks for joining us. It's good to see you. Good to be speaking to you. Maybe you can just uh, give everyone a, a brief introduction to what keeps you busy. How do you describe your work? So I'm an investigative journalist uh, and anthropologist. I've been, you know, doing sort of mainstream, uh, sort of hardcore war corresponding, organized crime, organ trafficking research for about 20 years. Uh, but most people know me because I wrote this book a few years ago about a guy named Wim Hof, uh, who was the ice man, the, 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 the person who, uh, you know, is, is responsible for this massive ice bathing movement in the modern era. Uh, and I was the first journalist to really write about him in a serious way. Uh, I did a story for Playboy uh, about him in uh, 2007. That was a really big story that sort of got him on Rogan and all those other things. And then I wrote this New York Times bestselling book about him called What Doesn't Kill Us. Uh, and But I think the reason why you're having me on is because even though I've been the biggest proponent of like ice bathing and breath work, for, you know, for a long time, uh, I'm also incredibly concerned uh, because a lot of people are dying following Wim Hof's uh, example. And, uh, and I think... And I've been pretty vocal about that lately. And that's why I think that's why I'm here. I think that's why yeah, I'm here. Absolutely. And there's so much to talk about here. So just, just to get the cynical aspect of it out of the way, because uh, you obviously, you said you're somebody who helped uh, make this guy famous, make break it in America. Look at that, it is. Look at that book. There it made him book. happen. There it is. And <laughs> so you're, you're, you're instrumental in this man being a, a, a book on some a lot of people's shelves in, in the Western right. world, for sure. America as well. My stepmom keeps trying to force it on me. Um, <laughs> now, uh, and you was happy at the time to, to kind of promote his work and what, what he stood for. Now it mm -hmm. feels, you know, it's completely 180 uh, and you're someone who's very critical of him and you've, you've produced a documentary highlighting your reasons. A lot of people maybe cynical on the outside might, may look at that and say, well, this is a guy that was kind of standing in the limelight with him. And then, you know, he's been completely out, outshone and now he's. Yeah. I'm in it for the money. I'm, I'm making <laughs> yeah. so much money doing this. You don't even know guys just throwing out pounds, not dollars, pounds. Pounds, um, sterling, yeah, the yeah, good stuff. So, yeah. I mean, what what would you say to those people who have who looked at you and see you do what appears to be a complete 180? They might have some, you know, suspicions about your mm. motives, perhaps. Yeah, I wouldn't call it a 180. I, what, what has really happened is that I got into this because I was writing about cult figures, right? This book called The Enlightenment Trap about people following this cult leader and ended up meditating to death on a mountaintop. And I had written that book right before I met Wim Hof. Uh, and... And the, the, the crazy thing about my experience with Wim Hof is that his method worked and it changed my life and it was really positive. But I've always been a skeptic of the of giving control over to like religious type guru figures. And when and I think it's it partially has to do with when I got involved with Wim is that he was sort of a nobody at the, you know, uh, let's see, 11 years ago. He was, you know, known for a couple stunts here and there. And he was pretty humble. He has since been launched into the world of like intense superstardom. And he he's not being very responsible. He's always been sort of a crazy guy doing things that are sort of like outside the box. But now people follow 
his prognostications as if they are infallible truths. And that's a real problem. When you give control over to someone, it's a real, real problem. Uh, in, in terms of like, am I making a ton of money? I would have made so much more money if I just kept my mouth shut. And I, I, I kick myself every day because I realize that if I had just been the ice bath guy and just told you that this guy is going to save your life constantly, he'll save your life. Um, I would be making, you know, five, $6,000 a month on this stuff without any trouble. But the problem is, is that once I learned that um, the body count was constantly mounting, I had to go out and, and, you know, do something about it. So I'm like one of like three people in the world who are talking about this in a serious manner. So yeah, there's there's a lot to talk about there, obviously, mm -hmm. which we'll we'll get to. But I mean, maybe you could just give us a, a as brief as you can, perhaps an outline sure. of what the, the Wim Hof method yeah. entails. Yeah, let's get to let's get let's get let's describe this because a lot of people are like Vim what va who <laughs> what does all right so the Wim Hof method is like this sort of uh, alternative health movement based around Wim Hof uh, this charismatic ice bathing leader and the the idea is that he'll sit in ice water. And they'll tell you to sit in ice water. And when you're in that ice water, it's like, you know, you're thinking about it right now. You're like, forget that. I don't want to go. In ice water, <laughs> no, thank you. Right? Like, no, no, that's terrible. Um, but when you do, if you get over that hump, that anxiety, and you sit there and that sensation coming onto your skin is death, right? Your body is interpreting that cold as death. And when you sit there and you realize that you have two, want two choices, you can panic and you can go with the death and be like, oh, this is terrible. Or you can relax in it and say, it's all right. I can do this. It's not super comfortable, but it's all right. Just that physical communication you're having over your body is mind over matter. It is changing things and it's changing the way not only you feel anxiety, not only in the ice bath, because who cares how good an ice bather you are, but you know, when you're, you know, dealing in traffic, when you're having an argument with your spouse, when you're doing absolutely everything, it's actually the same sensational language in your body. And it, it's a great tool to learn that. And then not only the anti-anxiety effects, but there's also effects on um, autoimmune illnesses and really good science on, on the autoimmune illness stuff. That, well, that's, uh, sorry to interrupt, Scott. That was going to be my next question, obviously, mm -hmm. because, the, you know, health gurus come and go. There is always miracle sure. cures and techniques mm -hmm. promising A, B and C. And you pull the thread and, it, you know, they did the very short lived. But you, you would, you yes. would, you know, stake the claim that the, the scientific literature around these things is quite airtight. Pretty robust. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's not perfect, right? It's not like, you know, to get a drug to market costs you a billion dollars, right? It's not at the, at the gold standard with tens of thousands of people in a random controlled trial, but considering what it is, it's amazing. I mean, there was just a study that came out um, today uh, doing fMRI and PET scans on people showing uh, who are practicing the Wim Hof method for six weeks and showing the mechanisms by which essentially the placebo effect works. And wouldn't it be amazing if you can harness the power of the placebo effect to heal your own body? I mean, that's the, I mean, that's the amazing thing. And that's also why my message is so complex and why people really dislike me right now. Uh, it, it's that on one hand, I'm saying, no, this is, there's so much good here. On the other hand, I'm saying, but don't follow the guru. Don't follow the messenger. The Wim Hof method is actually the problem. It shouldn't be the Wim Hof method because he didn't invent cold exposure. He didn't invent breath work. He didn't invent anything. And he he instead all he did was package it in a very compelling, um, charismatic package. But it's basically like an MLM. It's basically this this 
money hustle on, on people. And isn't that sad? Like it, it, it like on, on one hand, it's um, very beneficial. On the other hand, he's claimed all of it for himself. And the guy is legitimately crazy. He's legitimately <laughs> doesn't care about the health of the people underneath him because since 2015, people have been dying because they're doing his breath work in water, passing out and drowning. Uh, and it is a repeated thing. You know, last time I spoke to Andrew Gold, who was just, just here, I knew of 13 people who had died since 2015. That was, I think, five months ago. Now I know of 20 people who have died doing this. And these are like, some of them are experienced Wim Hof method practitioners. Some of them are like sort of brand new. And let me explain to you how they die. Cause I think that's super important. Sure. When you, so, so there's this breathwork component for the Wim Hof method and there's the ice bathing component. The breathwork component should be practiced entirely outside of the water and you hyperventilate and you exhale and you hold your breath. And then you hyperventilate, you exhale, and you hold your breath. And you do that like three or four times, and you get super lightheaded, and and you you find that you can extend the amount of time you hold your breath for up to like three or four minutes. It's pretty astounding. But the reason it works physiologically is you when you breathe, when you feel that urge, when you feel that urge to gasp or take a breath of air, it's because your CO2 levels, your carbon dioxide levels have risen to a point and your body detects carbon dioxide as like you're running out of air. It's not the declining oxygen. So this is the Bohr effect. It's, it's very well understood, but it's counterintuitive because you think that you would just you'd feel the declining oxygen, but no, you, you get the, this acidic byproduct in your lungs and bloodstream. Now, the reason you can hold your breaths for so long in the Wim Hof method is you've blown off all your CO2. And so there, it's a, at an artificially low level. And then you hold your breath and that level goes up and up and up. And it takes longer to get to that gasp point. Now, the danger here in this physiology is that when you're your oxygen is still depleting at that same level, at the same normal rate. So you can get to a point where you don't detect that you're about to pass out because your CO2 levels haven't gone up and your oxygen depletes, and then you pass out without any warning at all. It's called shallow water blackout. Um, and it's like very well understood. Now, this is why you should never ever practice hyperventilating in water. And Wim knows this. And here's the catch. He teaches it over and over again in paid courses and on YouTube videos where he says things like, the secret to my success is I've been hyperventilating in water for 44 years. And then he puts a warning under the video saying never hyperventilate in water. It's a confusing message that is fatal. It is, it is truly fatal. And I cannot understand why he continues to do it for 10 years straight because it doesn't add anything to this method. Okay, that, that's a really good uh summary of, of the issue scott so thank you very much for that now i suppose this disclaimer here i suppose you know it doesn't it doesn't get him off the hook from a moral or ethical perspective but i mean is there any legal uh avenue here that he could be pursued for perhaps oh i think he's going to be sued into absolute oblivion um right now there is a, a case coming through the american court system where a woman girl she was 17 years old named madeline rose metzger drowned in her pool uh, in Long Beach, California, and her family suspects it's because she was performing the Wim Hof method in water. Uh, they are suing for sixty-seven million dollars, uh, and you know the it, it, the court case. 
I don't know how strong this particular court case is. I actually have some issues with how they framed the actual case, but it, it does show exactly how loose with truth and facts Wim Hof and his legal team are. They're continually perjuring themselves in legal filings, lying about random things that are so easy to disprove, such as he's never done business in California, has never made any money in California when he has like, he sells tons of like a million dollars of video courses a year. Many of them sold in California. He has this whole suite of Wim Hof method instructors who he says he's never has no business relationship with, but they're obviously called Wim Hof method instructors and are certified by his program. He's lying in order to get out of a court case. And, you know, you know, you want to do whatever you can to get out of a court case, but lying is a really bad thing <laughs> in the American legal system um, because it just shows that if you're going to lie about this, you're going to lie about everything um, in the case. But regardless of that case, there are many, many other people who's who's who I've spoken to who's like, you know, a mother. This was in July after my video originally came out, which you can find on my YouTube channel. It's called um, The Rise and Fall of the Wim Hof Empire. Uh he, you know, had been practicing the Wim Hof method for years, you know, no trouble and told his mother, Hey, I'm going to go, you know, into the pool with you. And she's doing laps in the pool and says, Hey, I'm going to do Wim Hof method underwater. And she says, well, is that safe? And he said, yeah, Wim says it's totally safe. And five minutes later, he's underwater, passed out. She pulls him out and, she, and he dies in her arms. And, and it's, it was, it's such a clear connection between somebody, you know, not only purchasing a, a Wim Hof method course, not understanding what's going on and then drowning in front of him. I think that case and probably five others like that are going to ruin him in the American legal system. Okay. And and here's the and here's the problem. I want people to understand that cold and breathwork is actually beneficial. Like the things we're trying to save about the Wim Hof method are that it does work. And and his actions are ruining the thing that he built. Yeah. Okay. So uh, just a, a few quick ob observations to in, in what you just said there. So, I mean, one, one of the first things that crossed my mind when you were talking about this method is how, how almost esoteric it is because a lot of people sure. don't mm -hmm. necessarily have a sufficient amount of water of, a, of you know, a, a temperature required to do it. Very, very, very cold. Obviously I've seen, you know, obviously celebrities do. I've seen Russell Brand doing it, people like that. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's, it's very strange to me how, how much this seems to have caught on. Uh, the second right. thing is uh, you mentioned instances there of people succumbing uh suspect you know allegedly or suspected doing the wim hof method in pools i mean with the swimming pool would that would that even count as part of the wim hof method given it yeah, be freezing because people believe so yeah there's so much information out there that's been, being cross-referenced and misunderstood by people um wim you know, the Wim Hof method is in ice water, but the idea is that, hey, I can hold my, like it's showing me that I can hold my breath for a really long period of time. And, and well, why don't I do it in water? Cause it also affects the dive reflex. There's this thing called the dive reflex where you're in water, you can hold your breath even longer, blah, blah, blah. And, and Wim does not dispel that stuff. So, so the people that I know who have drowned doing the Wim Hof method water, most of them were not in ice water. Most of them were in pools and hot tubs actually, but they're, but you know, when you start practicing, Hey, the point of this method is for me to hold my breath a long time. And the longer I can hold my breath, the better it is. And then I start testing myself. How long can I hold this breath? And, if, and they get this idea that if they hold their breath a really long time, because Wim is known for performing these sort of stunts underwater and in water that they get the idea that they should do that too and then they drown 
how, how would you know, for instance, I mean, how many bodies did you say since 2015, 20. 20? So I mean, 20 that I, so 20 that I have been able to identify through it, like a chain of custody, right? Not, not, I think that actually the real total is much, much more than that. Okay. So I suppose just putting my skeptical hat on here, sure. right? I mean, is this the case of correlation? You knew these people uh, performed the Wim Hof method, you know, some part in the life and you can deduce, you know, in some cases, mm -hmm. you know, for sure they were doing at the time of death mm -hmm. in terms of the cause of death, though, which I'm assuming would be drowning. Uh, is there any way you can see whether there are any underlying health effects, you know, uh, related to the heart or the conditions which mm -hmm. may have contributed that's enabled you to rule, rule out the Wim Hof method? Um, so in, in there's no, uh, you can't do an autopsy on somebody and they open up the lungs and there's like Wim Hof stenciled on the lungs. That's not, that's not the way autopsies work. Uh, so you're, so, and when someone codes, meaning dies in, uh, in a way that people don't understand exactly what happened, they're listed as cardiac arrest on autopsy reports. That's just the way it happens. So all of these people are listed as cardiac arrest, which is a very broad term, which means died. Okay, in, in autopsy lingo, cardiac arrest means my heart stopped. Uh, the cases that I am looking at are strong correlations. It's it's people who literally like were were like ten minutes before. Hey, I'm going to do Wim Hof in the pool, and then they're dead. Or and that's like, I'd say like the really strong correlations. That's probably about twenty five percent of the ones that I have. The other ones are. These people are known to be doing Wim Hof method in water, and there's like a lot of corroborating evidence around the likelihood because they they other people had seen them do this stuff before. They're well-known Wim Hof method um, practitioners. Um, there's only a few that have had security cameras on them at the time, and I need to point out that that for something to come to the point where someone gets in touch with me or develops a news story saying this is Wim Hof method in water, that's like a a very narrow funnel to get to, right? To actually get to the point where you that that I can Google Wim Hof death drowning and like a you know an ABC or NPR news report comes up or someone who's like contacts me say this was Wim Hof method in water. Most people would just be practicing this hyperventilation, having been inspired by Wim and died, <laughs> like not leaving any paper trail behind them. And they, those people do not get counted in my list because I can't, I have no evidence whatsoever to prove it. However, I have spoken to tons of people who have hyperventilated in water, passed out and were rescued, oftentimes going into a coma for a little while. And then they were able to relate the story to me. Um, and there's another, uh, there's an additional 20 cases around that um, genre that are in my, uh, in the spreadsheet that I keep. And I think that, you know, because Wim is so unbelievably popular, we're talking, I think it's about 8 million combined social media followers. So maybe that's 4 million total people who are sort of in his orbit. Um, you know, with great power comes great responsibility. You have to you have to be aware of how your image creates uh, the the possibility that some people might drown. And when you specifically teach that technique in videos that are paid for and that are free on the Internet uh, in both categories, that you're going to get people killed. Yeah, I mean, in terms of the man in general, I mean, there's something I've always been very suspicious of 
health gurus, group yeah. leaders of any kind. I mean, this idea of having all the answers to, to provide vitality and health, if you just, right. you know, buy my book or sign on to my course or whatever, is always mm -hmm. kind of set alarms off for me. So I suppose, I mean, and I have seen as well this kind of reverence and kind of cult mentalities, you know, surround him over the last several years, for sure. Uh, mm -hmm. So that's your fault, Scott. Is what I'm what I'm getting it's, at. It's partially, but don't worry. Just look at the comments in any of my videos. If you want to delve into the horror show of what it looks like to blindly follow a guru, despite like video evidence, you know, because you know, if you see watch my videos, I have one called um, Wim Hof's Deadly Lesson, where he's literally using the word word I hyperventilate in water, and I've been doing this for 44 years, like literally using that word. Um, so and people, like, people no, are gonna. No. People are obviously going to follow his example, and if they think he's the, you yes. know, the, the top dog guru. But I suppose I, I'm just getting a bit, you know, interested. You've done a deep dive on the man himself. What what did we know about him before his his rise to fame? What what can we what can we discern about uh, the character of the man and his background? Right. So it's dark. It's darker than I thought, um, and some of it I can't talk about here um, for because I'm doing another deep dive. But one thing I want to just point out is, is when I wrote my book, so when I wrote this, um, there was a story in it that my editor told me I had to remove. Uh, and it was because it didn't make Wim look good. And I, and I totally regret having removed it from my book and I'm trying to get it back in. And that's a whole discussion with my publisher because it showed how insane he is. So in, uh, before Wim was famous, back in the day, you know, his in, in 1995, his his wife um, committed suicide in Pamplona, and uh, and she, he he says that she had mental illness, uh, and and then you know he had four or five kids with her at that time, and was stuck raising his children. He realized he couldn't handle it, and he abandoned his children in a, in a homeless squat house in Amsterdam, uh, and just like didn't see him for ten years. And at the end of that 10 year period, Wim was starting to get a little famous, starting to get a little noticed. And, and he was like, maybe I can get back in touch with my children. So, so having not seen them or had any sort of regular real contact, I think he did probably talk to them a few times, um, but not as a father figure. He got in touch with his second son, Michael. Actually, he's fourth in line, um, but, but second son, Michael. And he said, hey, meet me in Vondel Park in Amsterdam. Vondel Park is this nice, you know, bucolic park with a big spurting fountain in the middle of the park. And Wim uh, gets there a little early and Michael's going to come in. And this is going to be his time when he's like, I'm so sorry that I abandoned you in your childhood, but I, I'm going to make it up to you somehow. That's This is what is going through his mind. So he's there early. Michael's not there. So he swims out into the middle of the fountain and sits on this fountain and gives himself an enema. Okay. So this is what he does. And the, and the fountain is so powerful that it shoots through his intestines and cuts him open like it was a water knife. Spray, spraying blood and shit absolutely everywhere. Um, and, and you know, he, he comes back, swims back to the side of the pond and Michael's there. And he said, Michael, I'm dying. Call, call an ambulance. And, you know, I asked Wim, and I have this all on recording. Like this is a story that he just told me with his mouth. Um, and I asked him, well, Wim, what were you doing? Were you just trying to show how sad you were <laughs> that you had been such a bad dad? And he's like, well, maybe, you know, maybe I get the suicidal thoughts sometimes. And I, and I went and did this. And this is the man that people are following for health advice. 
right? <laughs> this is the dude that they were that that people will be like, oh, well, I should follow his advice. I should go do water experiments like he is, and it's it's one of many examples, but this is being the most extreme example, I think, of him being a madman, and and yet, you know we ignore it. And I actually didn't include that video, that video, that, um, that in my book, I had to take out that section. Cause my editor was like, look, you're not going to sell books if this guy's crazy. And, and I'm like, Oh yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I should want to keep it. And we had this discussion. Eventually I said, sure, I'll sell more books. And, and the book was hugely famous and whim is now hugely famous, but this is just the same decision that the BBC makes that the, that, that national geographic makes that Joe Rogan makes that that, um, goop lab makes all these people, protect whim by casing him and and creating this image of him as this sort of infallible health guru and it's all over the mainstream media and the the thing that i just do not understand is why him like we have lots of health gurus out there who when they do something that's getting people killed we're like okay well we're gonna do a real like rational deep dive into this uh, but no it doesn't happen like the mainstream media is like really really um reticent to say anything bad about wim hoff there other than me uh there's only been one other good investigative report on the craziness of wim hoff it was in a, a, a dutch paper called de volkskrant which also cataloged all the deaths which also cataloged you know corruption and outrageous money and, and all sorts of stuff going on in the wim hoff method um and I, I have a link to that on my, I'm, this is not to pitch you, you need to join my Patreon, but it, it is free. I put a translation on my Patreon into English so you can go read it. Um, and you know, scroll down a couple of posts and it's free, just go read it. Um, it's not just me saying this and I cannot understand for the life of me why I'm talking to you, Stephen Knight, and not on the BBC right now. I mean, no offense to you. You're 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 a nice guy. I pale in comparison to our British broadcaster <laughs> for sure. But maybe just in the in the two minutes we've got, something that I, I would find interesting to hear an answer to is so you you had sort of uh, when you were investigating him initially and you were working on the book, you had uh, access to him. You built a relationship. Uh, you're I'm a good yeah, I'm assuming that's non-existent anymore. But at what point did you? <laughs> at what point did that break down between you two? Oh, around the time I started posting these videos critiquing him. Um, before then, I I mean, we were good friends. I I still have a lot of respect for Wim. I still like Wim. I just think that there that when you create a guru, um, the organization has its own life, right? And they they want to frame someone in some way. And Wim is still just Wim, but he also benefits a lot from this image. And I think once he realized that 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 telling the truth might hurt his bottom line. Uh, he started calling me cunt Carney in front of all of the Wim Hof method instructors. I went from like his number one supporter in the world to now basically Judas. Uh, they all call me <laughs> Judas on my, uh, which is interesting because that just signifies that. Yeah. They think of him as Hammer's Jesus. home, the uh, religious parable, doesn't it? Yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, if you want to like go find out like all of the stuff that I'm doing, go check out my, I have a playlist called outer fire on my YouTube channel. Uh, and then you can, you know, I, I've done too many videos on Wim Hof probably, but there's a lot there. You can dig in deep. Well, Scott, it's been a pleasure speaking to you. And uh, to be honest, mm -hmm. This is my first introduction to Wim Hof, like a proper introduction. So I'm glad I'm mm -hmm. kind of getting it from a critical perspective for sure. But is there anything else you'd like to point people towards before uh, you get back to the rest of your day? Uh, I also have this blog post. I think you put it down uh, below, which is like a 5,000 word print story that goes into more of this. But like, 
I work on lots of different subjects. Like this is only one of many that I work on. I work right on climate change. I write on organ trafficking. My wife has a book on Bigfoot and on, oh, on, on UFOs. Those are UFOs. kids books. All I mean, come on. You want to dig in. <laughs> Christmas present there, everybody, if you're interested. But Scott, <laughs> this has been this has been fascinating. Thank you very much for speaking to us. I really enjoyed it. Absolutely. Thank you. Take care, man. Thank you very much. You too. Cheers.